0: Everyone, it's Bobby Sylvester and Mike Tagliere. This is the Fantasy Pros
1: Football Podcast. How's it going, Tags? It's going pretty good, man. I moved in. I'm back in Illinois. Um, it's been like a week and a half since we last recorded, and uh, honestly, I'm kind of oozing with football information right now. There's been, a, I mean, there's been kind of a lot of news, but kind of not like there's kind of like that that news. It's like, should we talk about it? And then there's like the bigger stuff, like you know, m- my uh, my man crush, Tony Romo retiring. That was a uh, yeah that hit me hard. So I, I wrote an article about it. It's really funny. We were, uh, so we were talking about
0: all the things we wanted to cover and we had like five or six things planned and then Texas like, Hey, do you think we should maybe cover the Tony Romo stuff? Like I just completely blanked <laughs> on it.
1: Yeah, no, I like, mean the it's biggest just, story
0: of the year so far.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I got it all. I got everything out of me in the article I wrote, um, basically talking about whether or not Tony Romo belongs in the hall of fame. And, uh, You know, once I posted that article, there was a lot of feed, like the people coming back at me, because there's a lot of Romo haters out there, as you know, and uh, basically they were like, you know, you can cherry pick stats. And I'm like, well, you know, what other stats can you use? Like I used pretty much every major statistical category that you can, and it all backs it up. The only only argument you can make about Tony Romo is that his career wasn't long enough and um, that he didn't win a Super Bowl, but there's plenty of There's plenty of quarterbacks that don't win a Super Bowl. It's a 53-man roster. Uh, There's 11 other men on the field. You know, so it's just like, I don't don't get it. I don't understand all the hate on Tony
0: Romo. My issue with Tony Romo being a Hall of Famer, and uh, it's kind of a weak case. I think that he probably is a Hall of Famer. I think it'll take a while, um, but I think he'll eventually be voted in. My only beef with Tony Romo being a Hall of Famer is that he was never one of the two or three elite quarterbacks in the league. There was always Brady and Manning. There was, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, as we know, at the end of his career, and and I would even say Drew Brees ahead of him. Now Tony Romo has had a fantastic career. I guess it's over now. Maybe he'll come back, but uh, he's never been one of those top two or three guys. And I, I know the stats are tremendous. I was even writing in saying, hey, you changed my mind, and he was the best fourth quarter quarterback of all time. According to uh, quarterback rate, interception rate and all that stuff, he was fantastic. A lot of people don't realize that. But what do you say to people who say he wasn't elite at any point in his career?
1: All right. So I definitely don't think that it should be held against Tony Romo because he played in an era with like dominant quarterbacks. Of course, when you play with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, you're not going to look like you're elite on the level of those guys. Those guys are like the best that have ever played the game. Like they're they're considered two of the greatest all time, like top three all time for sure. And then you go and you look at Drew Brees. Drew Brees is playing phenomenal. I think Romo belongs in the conversation with Drew Brees. Drew Brees did win a Super Bowl, but outside of that, his teams have been pretty lackluster. So you can't really hold wins, losses against. Them, Um, if you take out Drew Brees' Super Bowl winning season, I want to say I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I want to say that he has the exact same playoff record as Tony Romo, which was like two and four. So, to to say that, you know, people have brought up Ben Roethlisberger. I saw a a, a poll on Twitter that said eighty percent of people thought that Roethlisberger should get into the the Hall of Fame, and I think that's a joke. I don't think that. that that That's
0: disgusting. That is a terrible statement.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand. It's it's just Super Bowl bias. You know, there was one on Eli Manning, and I think there was. 59% of people said Eli Manning. And, you know, when you talk about these guys compared to Tony Romo, Romo was a lot better quarterback than them. He just didn't play on the great teams that some of these guys did. So for me, Tony Romo, the argument definitely can be that he shortened his career too much, that, you know, he was hurt during a lot of his career, that, you, that, that, ta- that takes away from it. And that's the only argument that you can come at with because there's no other, there's no stats that you could back up saying that Tony Romo was not an elite quarterback. There's just no way to do it. I don't think that Big Ben or
0: Eli Manning has ever been a top eight quarterback in the NFL. Tony Romo's almost always been a top five quarterback his entire career. Um, it's just not even a contest between those guys.
1: Yeah, I don't understand it. I really don't. And like I said, it's the Super Bowl thing. You know, I, I I basically put it out on Twitter that day. I said, you know, Trent Dilfer has one Super Bowl win. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl win. Therefore, Aaron Rodgers and Trent Dilfer are equal. Twitter math. Like, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm of the mindset, yes, a quarterback is the most important player on a team, um, but at the same time, he literally cannot get it done himself. There is no possible way. Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers would win every single year because Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. I agree.
0: I'm 100% with you. And I think all the numbers are going to back that up. I think eventually he'll end up winning some titles, but they have not put enough talent around him. And it doesn't matter who his wide receivers are. He turns them
1: into all-stars every year. Oh no, it's true. And that's the thing. So Bobby, I know you know this stat because like I I brought it up in my article. So just a fun fact for everybody that's listening out there that, you know, wants to yell about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, his career thus far, he throws 4.17 touchdowns per every one interception. The next closest in the entire history of the NFL is Tom Brady. Tom Brady's number is at 3.8 one, two, I believe it is, or 3.0. It might be three point flat. That's what I'm saying. Like that is a full touchdown in between the two. Like, and that's history. Like I can't explain how impressive that is. And they're all like, all the next ones
0: are really close with, uh, with Tom Brady, like right near three to one ratio. When I read that stat in your article, I was just flabbergasted. I could not believe it. I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers is, is the best, but that just puts him in a whole nother neighborhood. That's like Babe Ruth compared to everyone else back then.
1: It is. It's ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. You can compare him any era. I tried not to compare Tony Romo to people that came before him, like a Troy Aikman and things like that, because it is a different era in football. And, you know, they have loosened up on on what they're calling in in terms of cornerbacks and defensive backs, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. It's a pass-friendly league. Um, Mm -hmm. But then again, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady have been part of that. So to see what Aaron Rodgers is doing, you have to tip your cap to him. You know, to go
0: back to the old, uh, my... I guess you could call it an argument, but I'm not really arguing for it. It's just my one catch-up. If you think about baseball, they had the big unit, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens, all four of them in the same era, and everyone talks about them as four of the greatest pitchers of all time. They all made the, uh, the Hall of Fame without any question. So why is it different in football? Is it because they think that a quarterback can just magically win a Super Bowl by himself?
1: That's the thing is I I do believe that that's part of it. I think that they think that they should. It's not a it's not basketball. The NBA, if you're a legit Hall of Fame top five all time player, you're going to win championships. It's just going to happen yeah. because and, and NBA there's five players in a court. Because so you've got you the
0: would, ball in your hand, forty five percent of the game, like you're making forty five percent of the shots.
1: Exactly. You know when people talk about Trey Aikman, I'm sorry, Tony Romo was a better quarterback than Trey Aikman was. Oh, that's and, uh, it's not even close. And that's the thing is people have told me otherwise, but I stand by it. I think Romo, I think he deserves to get in. But like I said, I can understand if they say, if they say, you know, his career just wasn't long enough, but that, that's not going to be the reason it's going to be the Super Bowl thing. And, you know, the, the NFL Hall of Fame is different than all the other ones, though. Like you think about it, Terrell Owens should be in the Hall of Fame. I have no idea why this guy did not get in last year. Like he's been passed over now a few times. Terrell Owens should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't really care what you think about his attitude. The guy I can play.
0: I think Torrey Holt was better than Terrell Owens. I think he was the biggest robbery.
1: Holt, you can, uh, yeah, definitely Holt should be in there too. And then like, there's there's so many other arguments that could be made about Hall of Famers and who should, people have talked about Calvin Johnson, whether or not he's going to be in there. And I said, there isn't, because they're like, you know, he cut his career too short. I'm like, there is no way that you could talk about NFL the last decade and not talk about Calvin Johnson. Therefore, he is a Hall of Famer. I don't know what the statue is to get into the Hall of Fame. I don't, it's not put down on paper. There's no you know, direct uh, outline of what you have to do to get in, but Calvin Johnson better be a Hall of Famer.
0: If Jerry Rice retired to the same age as Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson's career would have been substantially better, except for the touchdowns. And the reason for the touchdown difference is because he had Joe Montana throwing him the football, and Calvin Johnson had, uh, who was it, Matthew, Dan Orovowski?
1: Oh, yeah, you had to go through like there was there was a whole bunch of quarterbacks he went through, but he never played with a truly elite quarterback. Matthew Stafford was the best quarterback that he played with.
0: Yeah, and Matthew Stafford, as he was injury prone and missing years and uh, as he was a rookie and a second year guy, and it's just it the, the difference is the team. Calvin Johnson may have been the best
1: wide receiver ever if
0: he had been in a different situation.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. He was dominant when he was. And, you know, maybe he walked away at the right time. It's hard, it's hard to say. You know, we're selfishly. We want to see him play as long as possible, but you know, good for him. Um, I'm actually working on an article, Bobby, that it's gonna be coming out next week. It's gonna be talking about the age curve of wide receivers and running backs basically going through and seeing when do they lose their elite status? You know, is it 27 like some people think? Is it later? Um, so Calvin Johnson may have walked away at close to the right time. It's it's just tough to say with how big he was, though, um, his body's going to break down faster than someone like, say, Jerry Rice. Yeah, you're right.
0: And uh, with Calvin Johnson, I mean, when he started his career, he was maybe the most agile wide receiver in football. And that really took a step backwards. And he was still dominating because he just found uh, another way to do it. But, you know, eventually it was all going to be gone. And uh, it, it was only a matter of time. So, you know, I think that he may have saved himself a few years on his life based on all this concussion data. And I think Tony Romo made the right decision doing that as well. You know, because one bad hit to his back, who knows if he'll be able to walk again. I mean, I don't know what's going on in his back, but it's a disaster.
1: Yeah, no. And you know, when people talked about Romo and like where he was going to go, I selfishly, I wanted him to play because I wanted to see him get a championship so people could just shut up about it. But at the same time, I don't even know if he'd come back as the same quarterback because me myself, I've had back surgeries. Um, he had one that was a little less invasive than I did, but still coming back from back surgery, playing the sport that he does, it's a really tough thing. And I I, I couldn't even guarantee that Tony Romo would have been the same quarterback again, had he come back. And, you know, the report came out about Peter King uh, from Sports Illustrated saying that Tony Romo, there is still like a, maybe a three to 5% chance that he does return as it gets closer to the season. So, We'll see. I mean, I don't think he's completely shut the door, but at the same time, I don't know. Some people are blaming the Cowboys saying that, you know, the reason Romo retired is because Jerry Jones dragged his feet. He didn't release him. He didn't want to go through the whole process. I have no idea because apparently he's already signed the contract with CBS. I don't know what's going on with it, but um, apparently there's still a chance that Tony Romo does play football this year.
0: You know, I was always holding my breath, hoping that, uh, Brett Favre or Kurt Warner would be called back to some team that needed a quarterback. And I guess Tony Romo has the torch now. It's always going to be a question mark when somebody loses their starting quarterback. Maybe Tony Romo's healthy.
1: Maybe Tim Tebow's healthy. Brett Favre. Actually, I saw a video. He went and threw some uh, footballs to uh, some of the, I think the Falcons. He went to throw some balls for and uh, Brett Favre can still whip it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if there's one guy that could still play at the crazy advanced age, it's Brett Favre because he's a nut. <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind. So
0: Tags, we uh, we heard that Marshawn Lynch is almost definitely going to come out of retirement. We already talked about that a little last show. So let's move on from that. We're going to end up going and looking at our ACR Dynasty rankings and talking about what's too high and too low. But we've got some other news items to cover. Uh, so where should we start here?
1: Uh, We could talk about Adrian Peterson. You know, you mentioned Marshawn Lynch and going to visit the Raiders. It seems like the dominoes are kind of falling for that to happen. I don't know. I mean, it seems like Seattle is likely to just let him go because Seattle, it does require them to release him or trade him because he's still technically a Seattle Seahawk if he reinstates into the NFL. So um, another name, you know, the aging running backs, Adrian Peterson, he visited with the Patriots. Some people said it was a courtesy that they just brought him in to, you know, try and, you know, get some teams moving in motion to sign him. Now he's visiting with New Orleans. I thought he fit in New England. I'm not sure where you stand on it. I just, I feel like he, and a lot of people are saying he can't play. And I think that people are totally oblivious to the fact that they have no idea whether or not Adrian Peterson can play anymore because we haven't seen him in a year and a half. That doesn't mean he can't play. Um, if you agree. guys were, if you guys recall, he came back from that total major reconstructed knee and almost broke records, you know, and he did not- it a
0: lot quicker than everybody else would have.
1: Yes, he did. He did it the very next year. And that's why I'm saying like for me to sit here and say that he wouldn't succeed in New England when LeGarrette Blunt of all running backs just scored 18 rushing touchdowns. This guy doesn't even have a job that just goes to show you what New England's running back job can do. They do. They run out of some shotgun. New Orleans doesn't really make sense for me. I think that's a better fit for someone like Jamal Charles. Um, so I'm really curious to see where Peterson falls. I just don't think New Orleans is going to sign him either.
0: You know, we're not sure what his floor is right now. Maybe his career is over. Um, I I think that's a stretch, but what do you think his ceiling is, Tags?
1: His ceiling was New England. If he went there, honestly, I would look at him as a top 15 running back just because of touchdown potential alone. We know that Adrian Peterson can score on the goal line. That's just something he's done his entire career. It's kind of like... Des Bryant in running back form. That was Adrian Peterson uh, around the goal line. So, uh, you know, if he lands with another team, it's it's probably going to be in a timeshare regardless of where he goes. So we just want an offense where he's going to have a lot of scoring chances. And unfortunately, with Mark Ingram there in New Orleans, it just doesn't make sense for me. They need more of like a passing down back. And that's why I think Jamal Charles makes sense for them. Uh, The Saints, that's another news item, is that the Saints brought in Joe Mixon for a visit. And um, I think that's a good fit. He can spell... You know, Mark Ingram, and I think he can succeed really, really well in that offense. I'm not sure how, do you know how much longer Mark Ingram's under contract? Because that'd be really interesting to see Mixon, let's say Ingram was a free agent after this year, and Mixon comes in and just takes over the Saints job.
0: I'm not sure when he has a contract, but I'd like to see Mixon go somewhere where he's going to be more of a workhorse. I don't think there's ever really going to be a workhorse while Drew Brees is there. So I'd like to see him go to Jacksonville uh, where they've got Blake Bortles and they kind of have to run the ball. They've been shaping up their offensive line with, uh, with some nice run blocking options. I think Joe Mixon can go there from day one and dominate. And I don't think he's going in the first round. I think he's going to be taken in the second round. And Jacksonville's got a high second round pick. So I think that's where he is going to end up. I think it's a great fit for him.
1: Well, it's the thing. People have tied uh, Leonard Fournette going to Jacksonville as a potential suitor. And I don't think that's the thing. Joe Mixon, we really have no idea. It's it's possible that Joe Mixon goes undrafted. It's, it's really a possibility. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't see it happening, but, but Mike Mayock did say that a lot of teams have removed him completely from their board. It's just they don't want the headache. So um, I, I think he's going to be drafted. I, I, I changed my stance on that because like back before uh, two months, three months ago, I said that I don't know if Mixon gets drafted. But right now I could see Mixon going I could see, honestly, I think the earliest Mixon goes is the third round, just because I think that, I think he's going to go to some team that it's like a luxury. And that's why I think that I, um, I predicted him going to the Giants. Um, I said that the Giants have some other holes they want to fill on their offensive line and things like that, but their defense is really strong. They want to win now. They don't have to spend the equity on a, on a top tier running back like Fournette, like McCaffrey, to get Mixon. And if Mixon comes in there, you you tie it to Brandon Marshall, who has had some character issues in the past, some off-field stuff that, you know, he worked out, he had some mental illness, um, but he's gone through that and he's become somewhat of a mentor to younger guys in the league. So I think that Joe Mixon, fitting in with the Giants, who have kind of an void at the running back position, uh, depending on how you feel about Paul Perkins, but Joe Mixon could very well go to the Giants and that offense would be so potent. And it's just like I said, it's like a luxury. He may go to a team that, you know, doesn't that running back is important, but it's not so important to them that they could take a, th- you know, a third round chance in the guy for that talent. So I'm really curious. I can't wait to see where he goes. I think that's a
0: pretty good fit. I'm wondering what you think about Adrian Peterson, maybe going to the Chiefs. I know they've got Spencer Ware, who I like quite a bit but it's such a good running offense. I think those two could split time and and AP would uh, be great in that Kansas City system.
1: Well, that's the thing. So Andy Reid's offense is, it's typically required a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield. And that's something that Adrian Peterson definitely has not showed throughout his career. That's why a lot of people are, are tying, you know, Fournette to Peterson. And, for me, you know, we've a lot of people have talked about the Chiefs and how they're going to use a high running back and how Christian McCaffrey could fit in there. It's not to say that they may draft a running back. I just don't know why they need to. I think Spencer Ware is a more than competent starting running back. I think he's actually better than average. I I would take on a talent standpoint, Spencer Ware over Isaiah Crowell all day, every day. Um, <laughs> I liken Spencer yeah. I like in Spencer Ware to like a CJ Anderson type running back that, you know, they're the grinders. They're going to put their head down. They're going to get every last yard that they possibly can, their workhorses. And then they also have Charkandrick West behind him who has been okay. He's been good enough for a backup. I just don't – I don't know why that the Chiefs would feel the need to draft a running back um, or sign Adrian Peterson. I just don't know if it's something because – Andy Reid's typically wanted to ride one guy, you know, to give him 18 touches per game. And I don't think Peterson's at that point in his career anymore. Hey, did you see that Leonard Fournette lost 15 pounds since, since the combine? That dude is a monster. So that's just like adding on to. I, I mean, I didn't really care about his weight at the combine. I did see the report, but Leonard Fournette, like he told everybody at the combine, he's like it's water weight. He's really he is not concerned about what you think about him. He's really not, and that's why he's like, so what? It's two forty. It's water weight. They asked him after he didn't have a very good vertical. He's like, so what? I've I've never been a jumper. That's not what I've been. Yes, yeah, who not cares? What I, he runs people yeah. over. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is just like Leonard Fournette knows exactly who he is and he you know, knows exactly what he can do, and that's like me. He is like, I have not, every every year, you know, we seem to have this running back that everybody gets excited about. First, it was Trent Richardson, then it was Todd Gurley, then it was Ezekiel Elliott. I didn't really get overly excited about any of those running backs until I saw Ezekiel Elliott go to the Cowboys. Obviously, that was a great fit, but I didn't love Richardson or Gurley. I'm going to tell you right now, I love, and I, I know we've talked about it before. I love Leonard Fournette, and I cannot wait to see this guy truck NFL linebackers. Like, the guy just doesn't care. And um, he's I, I really do believe he has a lot of Adrian Peterson to his game. I know he did some receiving drills in his pro day trying to, you know, kill that because that's the basically the one thing that could potentially hold him back from a true workhorse style role is the fact that he doesn't have natural hands out of the backfield. So I don't know, man, I, I, I a lot of people are saying Jaguars and if the Jaguars pass on him, I think that he goes to the Panthers at eight. I don't think he goes to the Jaguars.
0: Uh, after Jamal Adams ran a four three three, or what was it, a four four three forty at their pro day? It
1: was fast, yeah. I, but the Bears, the Bears are going to take him at three.
0: At three, okay. I, I know you're a Bears fan, so you're hoping so. But I'm a Jags fan, so I, I'm thinking you're wrong. I'm just going to say it now. <laughs> I would love to get him added to that great secondary there. That would be uh, really something special. Now. Leonard Fournette is absolutely dynamite. He kind of reminds me of a Steven Jackson who didn't get enough credit. 10,000 yards, played for terrible teams. They were stacking eight in the box against him. That's a really nice NFL running back. But Christian McCaffrey's getting a lot of buzz right now. Do you think it's real that he could go in the top 10?
1: I don't. I think it's a smoke show. I think it's somebody trying to put that out there so that someone feels pressure to take him. Here's the thing. Christian McCaffrey is a good running back. He's a very, very, very good college running back. Going to the NFL, I have my concerns about him, his size. Now, granted, he's, I think he's 5'11, so he doesn't sound like he's small, but I've seen him take hits in college where he bounced backward backwards and that's off a college linebacker you know and he's a player that I watched over and over and I wanted to find a a reason to back away from the stance but he's a he's a very in between the tackles runner he's shifty he doesn't take a lot of big hits because he is extremely elusive but at the same time when you're running in between the tackles a lot like he does and if he plays behind a offensive line that is a little subpar he's gonna get hammered and I just don't think that his body is built to withstand the hits when watching him I wrote it in my scouting report of him that I'm surprised nobody's brought up the Gio Bernard comparison because I believe Gio Bernard is a guy that can run in between the tackles. Uh, He hasn't really been given the opportunity ever since Jeremy Hill got there. Um, I think he's, it's doable, but I really think Christian McCaffrey, I think it depends on his landing spot, whether or not I would say he's in my top, you know, top three, but I, I definitely do not at all see him going in the top 10. I I think that he goes in the twenties somewhere. I think he goes to one of those later teams. I think the chiefs would be a team that would be willing to take a shot on him, uh, because he is that specialist, uh, catching the ball at the backfield. I think he could run the ball like Jamal Charles did for Andy Reid. So I think that's a really interesting fit is him going to KC. Um, but definitely I would bet against him going in the top 10, you
0: know, Graham Barfield, uh, from FantasyGuru.com, posted this really great stat about the 2017 running back class. There were three running backs that faced eight-plus defenders in the box for over half their carries, Fournette, McCaffrey, and Jeremy McNichols. And McCaffrey was by far the best in yards created per attempt, and McCaffrey was at 5.86, and the other ones were down there at 5 and 4. And Joe Mixon only saw eight or more defenders in 6% of his carries. Wow. So Uh, There's a lot of reason to think that maybe Joe Mixon, he looked great on tape, but maybe he's a little bit overrated because of that. McCaffrey was doing the dirty work against eight or nine defenders and still busting off huge carries.
1: Well, his offensive line was really good, too. That's one of my big takeaways when watching him is that his offensive line cleared some holes for him. Now, granted, he made his own yards, too. I'm not going to take that away from him, but his offensive line definitely blocked very, very well for him.
0: All right, tags. Well, that's pretty much all the news that's come out. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at the expert consensus rankings. I'll be referring to it as ECR moving forward. Uh, the expert consensus rankings for dynasty leagues. So this is a little bit different than uh, than your redraft leagues. Wide receivers are ranked significantly higher. Can you explain to our listeners why that is?
1: Well, basically, because a wide receiver, their career lasts a lot longer. Um, What you'll see is a wide receiver come into the league anywhere from age 21 to 24. And they'll play up till, you know, 30 to 33. Sometimes you have Steve Smith Anquan Bolden that are playing till they're 37 years old, which is just Insane running backs, uh, typically they walk into the league. You know, uh, the youngest you typically see a running back have a starting job is 22, 23 years old, and typically they've passed their prime once they get to 29. So they're, they're definitely in a shorter time span. You see running backs now without jobs, um, good running backs without jobs because they just NFL teams just don't view them as a very, uh, like they, they don't want an aging running back. That's they, they want someone young, they want someone spry, uh, so. It's just a longer, longer time span is what you get out of a wide receiver.
0: So do you agree that Odell Beckham Jr. is the number one dynasty player, even though he's got all these hamstring issues?
1: I do. Uh, I have Odell Beckham as my number one wide receiver. Um, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, those guys are getting up there in age. I mean, granted, they're still they're still assets because I believe they're both under twenty nine. So for me, I, they're outside of that tier now. They're like they're this is their last year that you almost want to hold them. Julio Jones and Antonio Brown are going to become sells pretty soon because you you're getting past the best years of their career and you always want to sell high. So. It just it really depends. Dynasty leagues are are so fun, but it really you have to know your competition because if you're in leagues with people that know exactly what they're doing you will be taken advantage of because they know exactly when to trade a player, when to hold a player, how much draft picks are worth. But if you're in a league where people don't know what they're doing, they're going to buy at the highest point. So Julio Jones, like at the end of the season, you could probably sell him and get tons in return uh, when in reality he may have two or three more good years and then basically he's not going to be worth much at all if he, you yeah. know, if he's still playing. So um, Dynasty Leagues are so much different, but they're, they're a lot of fun. If you haven't played, I highly encourage – just just start one. Just see how you like it. But it's it's a whole lot. Of Agreed.
0: Fun. Some of these wide receiver rankings near the top look kind of screwy to me. And you know I'm going to talk about Amari Cooper here. He's sitting at number eight overall ahead of AJ Green. DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson. I mean, both those guys have already been number ones. They're every bit as young as Amari Cooper. Sammy Watkins, I understand he has injury concerns, but I think Watkins is more talented. He's also very young. And then Michael Thomas is all the way down at number 16, the wide receiver number 12. I think this has to change quickly, don't you think?
1: So... Yes and no. Here's the concern with Michael Thomas. So me last year, I had a draft pick and I and it was I was number six I had in the rookie draft. I took Michael Thomas, I ended up trading him away in, in a deal where I got Allen Robinson. And the reason I did that is be and it was before obviously Michael Thomas became the stud that he was last year, was because I'm concerned about Drew Brees leaving and retiring. Because you know, these elite quarterbacks, when they come up on the age of 40, which Drew Brees is coming up on. You know, we saw Peyton Manning take a sharp downturn, and I'm sure it's going to be coming with Tom Brady with Drew Brees before long. And we don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. You know, where Allen Robinson, I felt good about his talent because he did what he did. You know, before last season with Blake Bortles as a quarterback, so it doesn't really get much worse than Blake Bortles to me. Um, So for me, Allen Robinson, (laughs) I was buying Allen Robinson over Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas proved that he he may in fact be better than we all thought. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think Michael Thomas is, uh, I think he is an elite wide receiver. I think he'll be one of the best five or six wide receivers in this league for a long time. And uh, look, I know DeAndre Hopkins had a horrible quarterback situation, but uh, I'm just not sure he's the same type of talent as Michael Thomas.
1: The thing is, is like, who do we put him over? Like when you look at the rankings, like I'm going through it right now. and my, On my sheet that I have here, the ECR shows Michael Thomas and Dynasty is 10. And right now, so I actually have him ranked at 10. The guys I have in front of him, Sammy Watkins, Allen Robinson, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, that tier of players. But right behind him, I have Des Bryant, T.Y. Hilton, and then it kind of drops off. I think that the top 12, there's a clear tier there. And then it drops off to, you know, the Alshon Jeffries, the Brandon Cooks, Keenan Allen's. That's just a totally separate tier for me. Um, but I think Michael Thomas definitely belongs in that top tier. Uh, like he's in the top 12 for sure. I just want to see one more year out of him before I totally declare him a top five dynasty. That's fair. You know what I mean?
0: Um, I mean, Kelvin Benjamin was really good his rookie year. And I get it. He was hurt for a whole season, but it was just one little taste. And then all of a sudden he falls backward and. Hey, he's nowhere to be found on these rankings.
1: Yeah, no, that's what's crazy about it is like Kelvin Benjamin. That's that's a that's a case in its own. Um, I don't really know how to feel about him right now because one of the players we're going to talk about and how I feel overvalued, undervalued. One of the players that I'm. Totally taken aback by, and I have no idea, Bobby. Please tell me if you agree, if you disagree. Um, I feel like Cam Newton is completely overvalued. He's, uh, He's being taken as the fourth quarterback in Dynasty Leagues right now.
0: Number 47 overall. This was my number one biggest
1: huge question. Like, what in the world is he doing at number 47? I don't understand why he's number four among quarterbacks because the thing is quarterbacks like the the overall can vary from league to league. But when you look at he's being taken on average as the fourth quarterback, it blows my mind because... We know mobile quarterbacks, as they get older, they're going to start losing some of that upside that they had when they first came into the league. Cam Newton's already started to lose some of that. His concussion. They're going to draft a running back. There are so many factors going against Cam Newton. For you to take him at number four is crazy. Uh, when you have Derek Carr sitting there at number, he's Derek Carr is right behind him at five. You have Matt Ryan at six. And these guys, it's not like they're much, Derek Carr's two years younger than Cam Newton. Matt Ryan's a couple years older you have Mariota, you have Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott. I mean, it's nuts. I, I For me, Cam Newton, I have him down at number seven among my dynasty quarterbacks. I have him at number nine, and I'm almost wondering if that's a little bit
0: too high still. I have him at 120 overall. I mean, RG3 was a former top five fantasy quarterback too, but people gave up on him immediately. Why not Cam? Cam was horrible last year. He wasn't very accurate. He's not running the ball as much. And I think that might get even worse as time goes on because now he doesn't have the threat to run. So they're going to be able to sit back in more nickel and dime packages and pick him apart. I just think this is a bad situation. I am selling him now before his stock gets even lower.
1: I agree. You're never going to see his easy. You're never going to see his ranking higher than what it is right now. It's only going to go down from here. I'm with you 100%. So you
0: mentioned these quarterbacks, okay? Derek Carr, Mariota, Jameis Winston they're all ranked above Dak Prescott, who's at ninety-five. I like Dak more than all of them for Dynasty.
1: I have Dak. Um, I have Dak higher. I, I have Dak at number six. I have him right behind Derek Carr and Matt Ryan, but it's close. Like that's that tier for me. Like you get outside Andrew Luck, Rogers, and Russell Wilson, and then it's the next tier Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Mariota, and Winston. I think that's that next tier. Um, so I don't really don't have any issues moving Dak around that tier, however you feel about him. I understand They're all it's only like been close. one season. Yeah, I understand it's only been one season, but the the kid's 24 years old. He took over the toughest job in the NFL, starting for the Dallas Cowboys. He did so without Des Bryant for the start of the season, um, you know, when Des got hurt. He just impressed me overall. It even went to the playoffs where he played extremely well. And the best part about Dak, we know he can throw the ball now. He didn't even show off what he could do with his like with his rushing ability. He can run the ball. Like he's a very good athlete. Um, I, I think you could see a five rushing touchdown season out of him next year on top of his passing totals. And it's definitely, definitely a possibility that the Cowboys draft a wide receiver in the top three rounds, giving him a little bit more ammunition too. So I
0: found it interesting that you have Russell Wilson in that elite group of three quarterbacks. I think he's due for a huge bounce back. He was playing hurt virtually the entire season. Their offensive line was in shambles, their running game. Uh, There was nothing going on there. Tyler Lockett was hurt. Um, Doug Baldwin was hurt for a little bit of the year. I think he bounces back big, but I find it interesting you consider him an elite quarterback at this point.
1: I do. I I like that's what I'm saying. It's like you people think that I'm just mad about mobile quarterbacks. I don't like him because I'm down on Cam Newton. I'm not. Russell Wilson can throw the football. Like he's. For me, he's kind of like a Drew Brees, like maybe not in the level of passer as Drew Brees, but he's like he's similar in that way, um, but he has rushing ability. We, we I don't think he scored a rushing touchdown in the last two seasons, which is kind of crazy for someone like him, but... We saw an ascension in his career. He kept on moving up the charts, moving up, and he was playing extremely well. And then last year happened where I think he was just dealing with injuries. I I think that there was a lesson to be learned from Russell Wilson uh, this past season. I think there was a lesson to learn for like John Brown. These players, what they tried to do is play through an injury, and in result, it it harmed their play. It hurt the team. And for Pete Carroll to kind of let that happen, I understand why he did, because Trevon Boykin. I don't think anybody's gonna like rush to start that guy, but I I, I think that Russell Wilson should have got right. And in, in the, instead, they kept. And most talking- importantly, it killed fantasy teams. It really did. It, it killed fantasy teams, and that's obviously what we're here for. But um, <laughs> Russell Wilson outside. Outside of last year when he was playing and basically like giant pieces of duct tape on his legs uh, for the first half of the season, he just wasn't the same. And that's why for me, I'm giving him a pass because every single year he was progressing and it's just one year. I'm not going to I'm not going to hold it against just like I won't prop up a guy because he you know, he had a great season. I'm not going to hold down a guy if he has one bad season after he had like three or four great ones.
0: I agree. Yeah, he's, uh, he's been one of the most consistent fantasy quarterbacks in the NFL until last year when everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. So I think he bounces right back into that top four, top five, uh, quarterback range. I trust him a lot. Now, another player that I trust that is ranked way too low, in my opinion, is Tom Brady. He's at QB 13 and he might play another five years and be dominant. Um, but we know that this year, He's going to be a top five quarterback because he always is,
1: right? He is. And that's funny that you say that because like me, I have Brady right at his ECR. And honestly, I thought I I may have had him too high at 13. I felt like I could move him down because in Dynasty, basically what I understand that there's a window. There's a window where it's like there's teams that want to win now, but you also have to look forward at least two or three years. And for me, I know Tom Brady said he wants to play five more years or seven more years or whatever it is. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. Okay. Uh, I don't believe that a body can withstand but when do the beating. you take him over Matthew Stafford or Big Ben? Yes, I would. That's the thing. I was. That's when I was. Where I was, he was running that teetering point between Breeze, Roethlisberger, Stafford. Stafford's only twenty nine. That's the only reason that I put Stafford over him. I have Stafford literally right ahead, uh, two spots ahead of him. I have Breeze there at twelve, Brady at thirteen, but is down at fifteen because Ben's talking about retiring and all this and that. I know he said he's playing. Um, again, that's not a surprise, but, um, for me, Tom Brady, I would much rather have a guy like Dak Prescott, like Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, yeah. um, than him just because you not only will they, th- they may be like a, a slide a little bit down from him in 2017, but you're talking about the future of your franchise here. Um, don't spend a high draft pick on a quarterback, but at the same time, if you're down and you have a, a choice between Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, take Prescott.
0: So who are some other guys that you think are way too high or too low on this list?
1: Um, my list of people that are, are too low, Kirk Cousins at 14 is kind of low. Um, I Kirk Cousins, I have him up at number 10. Um, Tyrod Taylor is down at 18. You know, he's behind those guys. I, I, I think people just keep hating Taylor. If you want one further down the list, though, I'm going to go with Sam Bradford. Um... I have – his ranking is at 35, and I I have him in the 20s. I have him around 25. For me, Bradford is like Jay Cutler in the sense that they had really high expectations coming out of college. But the issue with these quarterbacks, not only was Bradford always hurt, and that's probably a problem in itself – but for me Bradford never had a consistency at the coordinator position and that's really important to a quarterback in the nfl like people don't understand how complex nfl systems are to learn i know these are smart guys come out of college they all have degrees but f- football was the number one thing that they were <laughs> they were learning there and that's the thing is like when you have an offensive coordinator for one season it is impossible for you to perfect what it, what, it, what it is. So, for Sam Bradford to come into Minnesota, not know any of the wide receivers, didn't even play week one because they traded for him at the end of the preseason, he, he basically sat on the bench week one, still learning the offense, took over week two, ended up setting the record for accuracy over a course of an NFL season. He did that while changing coordinators in the middle of the season because North Norv Turner left, if you guys don't remember that, North Turner left in the middle of the season. So, for Sam Bradford to do what he did last year was really impressive. Um, I just think that if he gets some consistency with Mike Zimmer there and like, you know, they just build around him. I think Sam Bradford is kind of looking like he's being a little bit undervalued in Dynasty Leagues.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, he's been doing this with new offensive coordinators his entire career. Um, so so I'm sure he's used to learning a new system really quickly. Um, now, over at running back, Jordan Howard's at 26 below... Uh, uh, overall at 26 below uh, Freeman, Melvin Gordon. I think that's too low for me. I mean, he's going in the first round. He's still really young. I think he's an offense that's going to get a lot better. And, uh, I'm just not so sure that Freeman is even going to be able to hang on to that job because Tevin Coleman's just so good.
1: I think Devonta Freeman is, like, everything, like, that you want a running back in today's NFL. So, like, with people have argued with me about the whole Tevin Coleman thing, and I think Tevin Coleman's a solid running back. I don't think that he's on Devonta Freeman's level. Um, I think he's more of, like... I think he's a timeshare back is what Tevin Coleman is. But for me, Devonta Freeman does everything you want out of today's running back. He can run the ball in between the tackles. He can bring it outside. He has the speed to do that. In the open field, he is a nightmare. Like, you do not want to see that guy in the open field because he will break your ankles. Like, he is so shifty. He stays so low to the ground. And he can catch the ball with the best amount of the backfield. So for me, Devonta Freeman is like the full package. The Falcons have made it clear that they, they're going to try and re-sign him. His contract's up at the end of the season. So for me, I'm really curious to see what happens with him. But the Falcons have said they're going to make it a top priority to sign him. And I think if they felt that comfortable with Tevin Coleman, that they wouldn't necessarily mind so much Freeman leaving. Because as you see, there's a lot of teams letting the running backs walk because they just feel like they're very replaceable.
0: The one other running back that really stands out to me is Derrick Henry. He's just so low. I'd rather have him than Lamar Miller, Jay Ajayi, who has uh, all kinds of knee issues. I don't think his career is going to be very long. Carlos Hyde, McCoy, Ingram, uh, DeMarco Murray. I've got Derrick Henry higher than all them for Dynasty.
1: I like Derrick Henry. Uh, I think that he's right there neck and neck with Jay Ajayi. I can understand why you'd give him the nudge over Ajayi because with the knee concerns for Ajayi, if you guys don't know, doctors with Ajayi coming into the NFL said his knee will probably fall off after like three years of abuse. Um, so that, that that's like a condition that, you know, we, we don't want to see it rear its ugly head, but it's definitely something in the, in the background. So to say Derrick Henry, I have no issue with that. For me, I don't know why Todd Gurley is still number four. Like, someone please... <laughs> that's laughable, isn't so, it? It is. Someone please inform me why Todd Gurley is number four. Like, please tell me what about his situation is going to change to make his situation better. Not only... They lost Kenny Britt this offseason, so that's going to take away a receiving threat that they had there. Yeah, they're going to replace him. What It is what it is. If you are betting on Todd Gurley, you're not betting on his talent. You're betting on Sean McVay and his offense, what he's installing there, because Todd Gurley... It's funny. I actually, it was right before we got on, Bobby. So I don't, I can't remember where I read it. Um, but Sean McVay came out and said it takes 11 men to run the football. So wait a minute. You're telling me that this guy that you spent a high first round pick on, it's going to require 11 people to get him going. I'm pretty sure that there's other running backs in this league that are not named Todd Gurley that can do it without 11 men. Um, you, you look at Thomas. There is Charles. nobody
0: in the history of the world who could run for a thousand yards behind that offensive line. No, the saying- Rams are so bad tags. I disagree with you here respectfully.
1: They are bad. They and, I know they and uh, they added Whitworth uh, to as the left tackle. But the thing is, is Todd Gurley, you're supposed to be a special back. Adrian Peterson played behind some of the worst offensive lines in his day. Barry Sanders, back with the Lions, played behind some of the worst offensive lines. He played on really bad teams. So did Adrian Peterson. Those are special running backs. Todd Gurley is not a special running back. Ever since his first, like, three games in the the league, I want to say he's averaged 3.3 yards per carry since... Um, there's nothing changing about a situation. Not only are they locked into Jared Goff, like that's literally that's their future right there. They gave up a lot of picks so they don't have picks to rebuild anything. You know what I mean? Like I just there's the, nothing. The Rams
0: just need to fold their hand. They just need to start over like Rams go out of the NFL. Somebody else comes in as a new uh, a- L.A. team like the Rams are just done. <laughs> they're
1: going to they they're going to rebuild for like the next 20 years at this point. I have no idea why the Rams have not signed Jay Cutler yet or tried to. I don't know. I don't know if Jay wants to play like a lot of people are saying he doesn't seem like he cares. That's a bunch of crap. (laughs) First off, that's a bunch of crap. Like people don't know Jay Cutler. So don't you can't say that about someone's character and like be so sure of it now. But what I'm saying is like, why not bring in someone to compete with Jared Goff? Because Jared Goff, if he looks like he did last year, what are they going to do? Well, they've got Case Keenum. Oh God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh God. That's the Rams for you. The Rams going yep, forward. Yep, Ladies and Rams. gentlemen. Yeah.
0: So I'm also looking at the overall rankings and I see Gronk at number eighteen. And uh, I'm not sure if it's just that tight ends are taken a lot higher in dynasty leagues because they're more durable. But I'll tell you what, Gronk is not durable. There's no way I'm taking him at 18. There's no way I'm taking him in the first three
1: rounds. Am I missing something here? Are you with me? Well, Gronk's a difference maker. So yes, he has had serious problems with injuries. And the reason I would looked good a- in WrestleMania the other night, <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch wrestling, but I definitely seen that clip. It's everywhere. Um, but he, the, Gronk's 28 years old. So Gronk is still young, very, very very young for a tight end actually because tight ends you typically don't see them start to come into their own until like 27 28 sometimes 32 if you're Gary Barnage like these things take time so to see that he's just 28 that he's been dominant he gives you the advantage I understand why people want to take him at 18 I understand it would I draft him there no because I I think tight ends I think I just don't think very highly of tight ends and if Gronk you know if he was a guy that was always on the field sure I, I I think he's a first round um, because he gives you that much of an advantage. But for me, Travis Kelsey, that's the that's the nuts part is that Kelsey just got he just came onto the scene and like kind of had his breakout performance. We all knew that it was yeah. in there somewhere, but they de- finally decided to start throwing the ball. He's 28 too, so like he's the same age wow. as Robert. I think people forget about Gronk and it's just because he's been so good for so long. We assume that You're he's right. towards he's towards the end of his career. And you know, injuries might take their toll on Gronk because some people had talked about him retiring potentially after he caught that 69 touchdown. And um obviously he's coming back. Um, but I injuries can put a damper on his career, and that's the reason I wouldn't take him at number 18, but I do understand why he's there. Um, one thing I don't understand, though, and maybe, Bobby, I mean, maybe you can tell me I'm wrong here. Kyle Rudolph just had a massive season, okay? There's a lot of receiving options around him. Stefan Diggs was getting things done. Adam Thielen was getting things done. Kyle Rudolph still finishes a top three tight end, and yet he's number 10 in the Dynasty ECR for tight ends. I don't understand it. Like, he's only 27 years old. Are, are you a Kyle Rudolph hater? Um, I don't know where you stand on Kyle Rudolph.
0: I'm a Kyle Rudolph hitter. Um, I I definitely am a Kyle Rudolph hitter. Now, I get it. He had a ton of receptions and everything, but it was just, it's just the one season. I mean, we saw what happened. Gary Barnage had one big season, and then what happens? He wasn't a part of the game plan the next year. And I think that's who Kyle Rudolph is. That's who he's been throughout his career. Um, maybe I'll be proven wrong here, but I think he's got Gary Barnard syndrome coming for him.
1: Well, for me, Kyle Rudolph was a guy that I loved. He was an extremely crazy athlete. Like I was like, this guy could be like Gronk type level, maybe not as good, but he could be really, really good. And I loved him and I kept drafting him in leagues. Even in redraft leagues, I was drafting him waiting for that breakout. And before last season, I officially gave up you know, I thought that the Vikings were lost at quarterback. I was like, oh, this is just, this is a mess, right? And then he comes out and turns into the player that I always thought he would turn into. Um, He goes up and he puts up 840 yards, seven touchdowns. Now there, there was some ups and downs, but with Sam Bradford, it seemed the targets, there was no tight end in the NFL that was targeted more than Kyle Rudolph last year. So it tells me, there's some sort of connection there um, between those two. And when you get to targets as a tight end, you're going to produce. And as I mentioned, Bobby, this is one of the things that I'll be coming out with next week on the site, is that I'm, gonna, I'm writing up about Dynasty, it's for Dynasty players. You want to know when a player is coming into their prime, whether it be a running back, a wide receiver, or a tight end. And tight ends, typically, they don't reach their prime until anywhere in between 28 and 32 years old. So for me, Kyle Rudolph is just entering his prime. It's just... It's just you have to wait with these tight ends sometimes. So, you know, people see Hunter Henry come up and, you know, explode, you know, and he's a top 12 tight end in his first season. He's 23 years old, this and that. That's not normal. Like, you go through it and you talk about a lot of tight ends that took a lot of time to get onto the scene. And I think that Kyle Rudolph, maybe it just took a while to click. I know there was a lot of injuries earlier in his career. So for me, I just don't understand why you would take someone like, let's look at it. Um, People have Eric Ebron over him. People have... Hunter Henry, which I understand that one, Um, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's 30 years old. I mean, granted, he had a, a good stretch at the beginning of last season, but he tailed off as the year went on. When the Seahawks started to get more and more receiving options, like Tyler Lockett came back, Doug Baldwin started to step up, CJ Proseis became involved in the passing game for a little bit. I don't understand why you would take Jimmy Graham over Kyle Rudolph.
0: Uh, I don't like Jimmy Graham very much in dynasty leagues. I mean, who knows how much longer his shoulder going to hold up. And for Hunter Henry, everyone knows they're going to hear a lot about Hunter Henry in the preseason. So I'm not even going to go off on that rabbit trail. We're kind of running out of time. So <laughs> let's close here with wide receivers. And uh, I just don't understand all the love for Josh Doxson and Laquan Treadwell. What is all this hype about?
1: Hold on a second. You're saying, hon, you're, hon, you just said the, the the love for Laquan Treadwell. I think he's undervalued right now. Uh, I think. Oh so man. Hold on a second. So Treadwell is at number thirty four in the wide receiver rankings. The kid is – he's 20 – he just turned 22 years old. He's a kid. Like, he legitimately is a kid. And i, I it was funny because there was – a nobody ever sees it, but there was a route that, that was posted online yesterday, and it was Laquan Treadwell, the only catch that he had last year. And it was a beautiful route that he ran, um, but he just didn't get the opportunity. I don't know what it is. It's definitely not encouraging to see him not see the field. It's not encouraging. But the fact that he was only 21 years old in his rookie season – There's so much room for growth there. Like he was considered a top draft pick for a reason. Um, I'm not giving up on Treadwell yet. I think that the
0: fact that he didn't get on the field tells me everything that I want to know. I mean, these are the NFL teams that are getting paid millions of dollars to make these decisions so they can win. And they didn't want him to play. He was drafted 23rd overall overall. He's uh, he's not an elite athlete like Kevin White, who's going at the same I, same I, uh, I was, spot. I was about and to was say, I know five pick. I, I
1: was about to say, I know you're going to be high on Kevin White, and I'm waiting to see this because Kevin White hasn't shown anything. And granted, I think he's Kevin the White- guy now with
0: Alshon gone. They didn't even care about getting Alshon back because Kevin White is there, man.
1: <laughs> I I think I, I like Kevin White, and I I'm curious to see. I don't I don't think we know what he is yet, but I I really. Where he's at right now in the ECR at 36, I'm buying him there 100%. Uh, I'm with you on that. But I, I'm not. I'm also not giving up on a 22 now Now 22-year-old 22 Laquan Treadwell.
0: Okay, that's fair. But what about Josh Doxon? I mean, he's up at 29 for ECR, and I know he's a red zone threat, but they have all kinds of uh, players there in their offense. And I just don't see Doxon being more than a, the number three option this year.
1: Yeah, when they brought in Terrell Pryor, it was definitely a concern for me with Doxson. I think that they're concerned about the this these issues that he's having going on throughout his entire career, and it's definitely possible. They brought him in to kind of cure some of their red zone struggles, and now you have big Terrell Pryor there. Jamison Crowder is going to have a more prominent role in the offense. Josh Doxson... We haven't seen him play yet, so I don't know how some people can have him ranked above guys like Kevin White. I don't know how we could have him ranked above guys like Laquan Treadwell. We've never seen any of I these I prefer guys. even uh,
0: Brashard Perryman, who's at number 84.
1: I I think he takes a big step forward this year. He's an elite athlete. Perryman. So Perryman on mine, on the dynasty rankings on mine, I show him 47. I don't know if that's a... um it, uh, For the ECR, it's showing a 47. Oh, you're talking about overall? Yeah. Oh, okay. So 47 wide receiver. But yeah, Perryman, I don't... I wouldn't say I'll take Perriman over Doxon. I still I, I still go Doxon. Um, I think all these wide receivers are still buys. I think you could still buy Treadwell. I think you could still buy Kevin White. I think you still buy Doxon because we don't know who they are. And I can tell you this. When you're buying a wide receiver in this range of that 32 to 40 range, which is where they're at – you're getting them for probably a second-round pick. You're you're getting them for a second-tier player that you already know what they are. So for me, I think that they are all they all should be considered somewhat by Lowe's because we know what their potential was when they came into the NFL. Whether or not they reach it, that's that remains to be seen. But we have not seen any of these guys consistently on the field, and therefore, I don't think we could judge them yet. So I'll take the potential at where they're going right now. A player that I don't understand, Bobby, I don't know if you've seen this, Martavis Bryant and John Brown. Martavis Bryant is number 46 in the wide receiver rankings. And John Brown is number 48. Like these are two guys that are top 24 wide receivers when they're on the field. So I don't understand John Brown, the sickle cell thing. I understand some concern. I have him in my 30s, but Martavis Bryant, I have it number 25. Can you tell me why should I be lower on Martavis Bryant? You take him
0: over Emmanuel Sanders, Sterling Shepard, Michael Crabtree. That that seems kind of yeah. crazy to me. <laughs>
1: uh, I, no, no. Well, so Sterling Shepard, I, I definitely can follow your argument on that one, but I,
0: I think he's more of a product of Carson Palmer. Um, and so Paul, Palmer's only going to be there one year. Then what do they do?
1: Oh, who John? I Brown? Mean,
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, John Brown, this is his contract year, so he's actually going to be a free agent after this year. So he he could leave once Carson Palmer does. Now, Martavis Bryant, though, that's where I'm really curious because Martavis Bryant can get it done. Like some people have compared this guy to Randy Moss. Like like the dude can get open downfield. Like you've seen him. It's it's not very often you see an NFL receiver get wide open the way he did down the field as often as he did uh, in his first two years in the league. Now. There's concerns. Well, he also have Antonio Brown on the opposite side getting triple that, covered. That helps. That helps. Um, <laughs> that definitely helps. But Martavis Bryant's a specimen. So for him to be at 46, like that's crazy to me. Like there's guys like Eric Decker, who's 30 years old in front of him. Tyreek Hill's in front of him. Uh, no. Jeremy Macklin is in front of him. Like that's just crazy to me. Like give me Martavis Bryant. Give me his upside. When you're talking about players that far down the list, I'll take upside players. Now, granted, Tyreek Hill fits in that upside category, but Jeremy Macklin, Tyler Lockett. No, give me Martavis Bryant.
0: There's two upside guys that I'm really intrigued by that are quite a bit lower. Number 56, Tyler Boyd out of Cincinnati. I think he's going to explode onto the scene opposite of A.J. Green this year. And then Robbie Anderson, who nobody's really talking about. He's wide receiver number 69. Watching tape on him, I was really impressed. I think he can be a very good wide receiver in this league. What do you think?
1: All right. So Robbie Anderson, yeah, I can see that one. I can see it because he definitely showed some promise last year. He, he was getting it done in the field with some second-tier quarterbacks. So I can see that coming into a thing. They're talking about trading away Eric Decker still. Um, and if that happens, it's going to be him and Quincy Anunwa kind of leading the charge. And Inunua was playing the slot, so he's not technically an outside wide receiver, which would leave Robbie Anderson as almost the, the prototype number one. Now, in regards to Tyler Boyd, I think you're 100% wrong uh, on that one. I have Tyler Boyd, I'm not kidding, among wide receivers in Dynasty. I'm not talking about overall, I'm talking about wide receivers. I have him at number 85. For me, Tyler Boyd is, and it's the same thing I thought when he came into the league, he looks like a boring player. He's a player that is going to get you 50 to 60 yards a game, and that is it. He is not going to be a type that will ever deliver like the upside that you'd want. Um, Like, so AJ green is obviously there, which is going to hinder his ability to stack up yards. They re-signed, they re-signed Brandon LaFell. Uh, Cody core is somebody on that roster that I think is, could potentially play over Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd just looks like he's just a player that, he just doesn't translate to the NFL very well. I just don't feel like his game speed is is, is good enough. They're, they're playing him out of the slot. And when you're a slot wide receiver, it's either you want to be a big slot or you want to be a quick slot. I don't think he's either of those. I just think that he's a very, I had one of my friends actually um, in the season ask me, cause he's like, Hey, I'm talking about trading for Tyler Boyd. What do you think of him? And I told him, I just think that he's, he's a journeyman player. He's going to be in the league for a long time, but He's gonna be a very boring player, like a like a a more boring version of like Muhammad Sanu or something like that. Um, like a player like a like a Brandon LaFell, you know what I mean? Like where they're never guys that you Yuck. really want to trust week over week. I'd rather search for the potential in someone like you know a Treadwell or you know even Adam Thielen. You know he's down at number sixty in the the wide receiver rankings and. With him signing a deal in Minnesota, there's a lot of things up in the air, but um, I'm going to be updating my dynasty rankings after the draft. I'm going to go through and update them all. So if you guys want to play dynasty, I'll get those together and um, I'll probably make an article out of them.
0: Hey, Dags, I just saw some breaking news here. Ben Roethlisberger confirms he's returning for his 14th NFL season. Not a surprise to me, but it's worth noting because some people were saying he might retire. Um, So that's pretty big news for Antonio Brown.
1: Yeah. He was saying, he was the one saying that he might retire. And like, it was a joke. Like, I think it was like a a ploy at trying to get a new contract. I I think that's what it all was all along. And yes, it's good for Antonio Brown, but honestly, Antonio Brown can get it done regardless. And I know there's, I, I, I don't know. I I'm, by the way, I'm blocked by Ben Roethlisberger on Twitter. And I think we found out that, no, no, that like there's like 30% of people on Twitter are blocked by Ben Roethlisberger's Twitter. And we don't know why. Like nobody's ever interacted with him, but they say, oh, we're blocked by him. I I don't know. It's weird.
0: That's amazing. I did not know that. Well, Tags, that's all we have time for today. Hope you have a great weekend. And uh, for everyone who listened to the show, we're going to have another show coming up next week where we're going to do a Dynasty Mock Giraffe. So make sure you tune in for that one. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football.
1: I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.